What's happening, everyone? Welcome into a new episode of The Hangout in the Holy Land, the official podcast of LandGrantHolyLand.com. My name is Colton Denning, and I am your host. And as always, I am joined by my friend and co-host in the great state of Ohio, Patrick Mayhorn. Patrick, we finally have some Ohio State football to review after three months. We do. We have the most important Ohio State football game of the year to talk about. Um, as everyone knows, the spring game is the most important game. It's the only one that counts. The spring game is more important than the FAU game, with all apologies mm, due to Lane Kiffin. Uh, I don't know about that. <laughs> Let's get right into it, though. Ohio State played their spring game yesterday i don't even remember the score the score doesn't matter the stats really don't matter but there are some i think good takeaways that we can bring from the spring game into the rest of spring practice and up until fall practice and our first look at ohio state but the best place to start is probably with the qbs right i I think that that's probably the it's certainly the hottest topic I, i don't know if it's the one that um, actually has that much or has the most substantial things to take away from, but it's, you know, it's quarterback. So people are going to talk about it. And, um, I, I certainly have a couple takes. They're not super strong takes because it is a spring game, but yeah, we should, we should probably start with the quarterbacks. Well, yeah, it is, it is the biggest storyline and the one that, that everyone is talking about, namely because it was the first action for Justin Fields in Ohio stadium since he transferred to Ohio State and him and Matt Baldwin switched off for most of the game and as it pertains to both of these guys not even just Fields I think I I saw all I needed to see from both of them like I said the stats don't matter to me I know that Baldwin threw a lot more than Fields did and Fields was something like four of 13 but for both of them I saw what I needed to see and ultimately I feel like no matter what, Ohio State is in a good position because both guys appear to be competent, and I think that's all you need under Ryan Day. So, so far, so good. Yeah, I, I think that and this is something you hear coaches say a lot, uh, especially when scouting quarterbacks. You're kind of looking for traits more so than actual production in situations like this one where the actual production doesn't really matter. Um, you know, the the scarlet or gray team winning or losing in this game doesn't really have any serious impact on the rest of the season or anything. Justin Fields only completing four passes doesn't really have that much of an impact. The thing that you're more looking for in a game like this is, you know, how fast does the ball come out of his hand? How fast Very is Very fast. Yeah, how fast is he making the reads? How you know, how is he adjusting to pressure, which there was plenty of from the defensive line? How's he reading the defense? It's really, it's not so much a a final number tally as it is, you know, the, <laughs> I don't like to use the cliche, but it's kind of the eye test, you know, you're just, how does this guy look as a quarterback? And I think that even though the, the final stats weren't, um, they weren't outstanding by any means. I think that Justin Fields and Matt Baldwin both showed a lot of talent. I think that they showed a lot of promise. Um, Justin Fields probably more so. I, I don't, you know, I, again, I don't want to take a ton away from the spring game or make any definitive statements, but I think Justin Fields showed um, kind of, you know, what we thought going into the spring game, going into practice, 
that he's got a really, really strong arm. I think much more so than Matt Baldwin, who had some nice throws, but a lot of throws kind of floated from him, um, especially throws that really aren't supposed to. Just, you know, out routes, curl routes, things that are kind of supposed to get there fast had some some issue with velocity there. Um, but I, I think both of them struggled a little bit with accuracy. Both of them struggled a little bit with the patchwork offensive lines that they had in front of them which is understandable but both of them showed some pretty impressive throws um fields long touchdown pass to benjamin victor was a very very nice pass even if it was a little bit underthrown but obviously when you have a guy like benjamin victor that doesn't matter a ton um and then matt baldwin's pass to garrett wilson was much more of a garrett wilson play than it was a matt baldwin play but still put the ball in the right spot, let his receiver go get it. Um, I think, you know, like you said, I saw what I needed to see. I was, um, you know, not blown away by the quarterback play. It was about what I was expecting, but I was happy to see that it looks like both guys have the traits that you want to see from your starting quarterback. It looks like, especially Justin Fields, has the athleticism that he was advertised as having. And I think when he's allowed to run and be tackled and you know play a full football game instead of having to be designated as a no hit no escapability quarterback I think that he'll improve quite a bit with those numbers and really not super concerned with either one of them we didn't even really get to see the full Justin Fields experience too spring games are already vanilla you're not gonna really dig deep into the playbook and when you have a dual threat like Fields who is so explosive on the ground and we did see him run a couple times and score a touchdown he's not getting hit you're, you're not really going to get to see that full slate of of plays for him but you can see the explosion and you can see what he's good at other than just the touchdown to victor he had a couple of nice out route throws to austin mack and throws to the sideline that had some zip to him so you can see what he can do with his arm and on baldwin too he just looks like he knows what he's doing and if that's your backup, I, I think you're perfectly okay with that. And he and Fields both have a lot of time to improve, to get a better rapport with all of their receivers, get to know their offense, and get to work with these offensive lines. And Baldwin had a really nice crossing route throw to Rashad Berry. I don't remember if that went for a touchdown, but it was later on. And he just put it right on the money, made a nice read. So I feel confident with both of these guys, and I think they – they showed everything we needed to see in early April. So we got a long way to go, but like where Ohio State sits on the quarterback front. Last episode, you and I talked about spring game guy. And there's one in every single spring game across the country. And I think I said Garrett Wilson and you said Benjamin Victor. And we were right. Both of those guys <laughs> came out and, and made play. Victor had the long touchdown had another play that was close to a touchdown had a couple catches and then Garrett Wilson man in, <sighs> in his first action um he's gonna see the field I, I feel very confident on that I know we spend a lot of time talking about freshmen kind of being held back for other players who are older I don't think that that's the case with Garrett Wilson this year he is going to find a way on the field the touchdown was the play that everybody talked about and he, he isn't like a huge guy by any means, but his ability to high point the ball and go up and play the ball. He had another one later in the game on the sideline where he couldn't come up with it, but he went over like two defenders to try and go get one, and it just went through his hands. For such a young player, 
he's got a lot of traits and he is going to see the field early and I am very excited because he is super super talented yeah I mean having Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave with multiple years left at Ohio State at the same time um, I think we're going to look back on that as kind of a <clears throat> a really astounding duo to have in terms of technical skill at the receiver position you know and you you mentioned it and I, I think it really is the number one thing with Garrett Wilson is that despite being only what six one six two I don't think he could be any taller than six two just from looking at him he plays like he's six five I mean that that touchdown catch specifically but really the the entire game just the way that he carries himself the way that he's able to go up and, and get passes that you know, I, I think the last guy who was really able to do that at Ohio State consistently was probably like Devin Smith, maybe Michael Thomas occasionally. Um, and, you know, he's just he can go up there and high point him and it's very, very hard to defend a receiver, even a receiver who isn't six five when he plays that tall when he plays that vertically, you know, that that makes it certainly a lot easier for the quarterback, but it makes it a lot harder on defensive backs and specifically you know, we, we saw, I think it was uh, it was Seven Banks on that touchdown, who he was in good position. He, he, you know, he made a nice play. It was solid coverage. There's just not a lot you can do about that. And that's, you know, a, a guy who Ohio State really hasn't had at receiver in a, a long time. They haven't had someone like that who can really threaten a defense on any play because of his ability to high point passes. Um I think on the Benjamin Victor thing, I was pretty happy with his performance as well. I was pretty happy with most of the receivers. Um, I think the only one who stood out as having a, a not great day was probably KJ Hill, who had a couple of um, I don't want to say bad drops, a couple of not great drops. He uh, he seemed to lose the ball in the sun a few times, but um, you know I'm not super concerned about it. We know what he can do, but I, I think Benjamin Victor looked good. He looked like he was using his size well, which was kind of that's been the thing for him for several years now is learning how to be a bit more physical and it seemed like he was willing and, and able to do that and for this offense having someone like that is super valuable and hopefully he can keep that up heading into you know summer workouts and then fall practice something I thought was really interesting was how often Jalen Gill was targeted early yeah. on in the game he had seven catches probably had at least 10 targets maybe 12 they were throwing him the ball everywhere and I, I don't know how big a role he's going to play on the offense I don't expect him to catch 50 passes next season but I thought it was interesting that the staff is clearly that intrigued by him and what he can do in that slot position so that that's something I think to to file away is how often Jalen Gill was used in this game basically throughout all of it and that's just a name to watch out for because he might be a factor. Yeah, and that, that kind of brings us back to our favorite topic on this show of, um, you know, our number one favorite receiver, C.J. Saunders. Him and Jalen Gill are in a battle for that backup H-back spot. I, I don't know if you can even really call it H-back anymore because that was kind of an Urban Meyer thing. Um, but they're in a battle for that backup role behind K.J. Hill, kind of that slot hybrid player. Um and I thought C.J. Saunders actually looked pretty good on Saturday. He yeah, had some nice, ca- yeah, he had some nice catches. He had a, uh, a touchdown on a crossing route. Um, I, I, I still don't love the the lack of vertical threat that he you know provides, where he just really doesn't have the burners to do it. And we saw it on a, a Justin Fields pass to the back corner of the, the end zone, where I think if Jalen Gill's running that route, it's probably a touchdown. Um, but 
you know, credit where credit's due. I think CJ Saunders had a pretty good game. I think Jalen Gill had a better game. Um, Jalen Gill looked, you know, like you said, like a a really consistent target. He was, you know, very, very frequently seeing passes, I think mostly from Matt Baldwin. Um, but he looked like he had pretty solid hands, was running really, really clean routes, even on, um, and we'll touch on this a little bit more later, on the second of the Jocelyn Went interceptions. Uh, that was a pass to Jalen Gill, and I have I have no complaints about the route there. I think the route was really well done. Um, and I think that that can be said for most of Gill's routes. He He looked like... He was pretty comfortable playing receiver. He looks like he's understanding the position, like the game is slowing down for him a little bit more. Um, and I'm excited to see how they use him. I, I hope that they don't try to just slot him into the the Percy Harvin, Dontre Wilson mold. I'm, I'm kind of hoping that that has left the program a little bit because it's just not a, a super useful position if you don't have Percy Harvin. Um, but it seems right now like they're more willing to use him as a slot back, more willing to use him as a true receiver and that seems to be certainly part of his skill set and something that he can do so i'm i'm excited to see more Jalen gill i'm not sure how much we'll see of him this season but it does seem like the staff is at least aware of him and, and wants to get him more touches as the season goes on once we get into fall i like how varied this offense is looking to be next season because there's explosive type guys like wilson and benjamin victor and then you have your efficiency guy in KJ Hill in the slot. And there, there's just a nice mix. And I think that for as, as as bad as the timing was of losing all of those receivers last year, I've said it for a couple months, and I think yesterday just reinforced it. I feel pretty comfortable with where they're at at receiver heading into next season. And the only place I really, at least when it comes to skill positions, that I'm really not worried about but just – think that they're still figuring out as tight end they're just they're very raw and that seems to be a three-man battle and it's really kind of unclear who's going to step up and take that yeah I I wasn't super impressed with any of the tight ends Rashad Berry like you said had a pretty long reception I think that um, Jake Hausman saw significant playing time I don't remember if he did anything super impressive but um, I think some of that is probably on the quarterbacks. I remember that there was a throw. I think it was yeah. from from Matt Baldwin to it was either Houseman or Jeremy Rucker um, across the middle where he was just wide open and the throw was about five feet over his head. Um, it's kind of hard to overthrow a tight end, so that was that wasn't great. But um, yeah, the tight ends are still I think a work in progress. I do buy in a little bit more to Ryan Day saying that they do want to use the tight ends more. I think that that has a little bit more truth to it than it has in years past um, because Ryan Day has kind of a history of using tight ends a little bit more and Mike Yurcich is a guy who's willing to use the tight end position and I think that that is going to be a part of the offense. It is certainly a work in progress still. I think um, I, I think I said in one of our, our more spring preview um, podcast episodes that I think Jerry Rucker's probably going to be the starting tight end. Um, after seeing him not play a ton in the spring game as far as I can remember I'm not sure if I'm still super confident in that um, I do think he's the best fit for this specific offense the, the way that they want to use the tight end but it seems like Jake Hausman it seems like Rashad Barry and Luke Farrell are still kind of the guys up at the top of that room um, certainly can change between now and fall but it, I think that 
the tight end room probably stays mostly the same this year, and that probably means that there's not going to be a ton of production just this season just because a lot of those guys really don't fit the offense, and that's not, I don't think, their fault. It's not the coaching staff's fault. It's just that there was a, a philosophical change in the way the offense is run, and you, you really can't get you know tight ends that fit that into the offense right away and I think they'll get there but this year might be a little bit of a a growing pain situation yeah they're they're just raw and especially Ruckert he got on later in the game and I remember one of the announcers saying that the coaches have said he's got the highest upside so it's clear that they're working with him but maybe maybe it's not this year but also it's April so we we got some time for those guys to grow continue to get comfortable in the offense and see where they fit in uh, do you have any thoughts on running backs? It's almost impossible to judge a running game in, in the spring game, but we saw Marcus Crowley get some action, Master T get some action, J.K. Dobbins was J.K. Dobbins. They didn't really use him much, but it seemed like it was just all things all things normal at running back. Yeah, the one who stood out was Master Teague. I thought he looked good. He looked like he was, you know running well. I know that he had some injury stuff that we talked about a bit in the pregame podcast um looked pretty healthy i'm not sure if he's still dealing with any of that but um i'm excited to see him hopefully more this season now that he has taken the the four games red shirt for his his freshman year um i still don't think we'll see a ton from him i think that they're gonna use a lot of jk dobbins and a lot of demario mccall but i think his power is a nice change of pace he seems to be pretty aware of what he does well he certainly sticks to that kind of seeking out contact down the field thing and it works for him it's it's hard to do in a a thud spring game but he still looked really good he's pretty fast for his size which is impressive um it's always surprising to see someone that large move that quickly but um i I thought he was probably the best of the bunch i thought marcus crowley looks pretty good too um like you said can't take a ton from a spring game for a running back but I was pretty happy with both of the young guys. Um, and Xavier Johnson, the uh, I think is a sophomore walk-on, probably preferred walk-on, who actually had, they mentioned on the broadcast that he had several Power 5 offers, including one from Iowa State, and chose to go to Ohio State instead. He seems to have some talent, had a couple pretty nice runs, did have the fumble, but um, looks like that room is is still in a pretty great place um even as ohio state transitions to a bit more of a pass heavy offense did you feel any sort of way about the offensive line i didn't think they were great didn't think they were terrible there were a couple passes batted down where the defensive line just pressured the pocket and in regular games they would have given up some sacks but i didn't really see anything that completely concerns me but there was also nothing that i thought man this is going to be a great offensive line yeah, I didn't think they were. I didn't think they were great. Um, I, I'm a little bit concerned after seeing um, Nicholas Petit Frere do some pass protection. I was expecting a little bit better from him. Um, he got beat a couple times by I think it was Tyreek Smith that beat him a few times. Um, Tyreek Smith, who by the way looked really really good, um, but in general, you know, another one of those positions where it's kind of hard to take too much from in the spring game because. It's it's a pretty patchwork group. Several starters are out, and with a line, you kind of need all five starters to judge the group. Um, I, I think that if there is going to be a, a number one like obvious weakness on this team, it will be the line. Um, we've, we've thought that for several months now. I'm still not 
super concerned about it. I, I don't think it's going to be great, but I don't think it'll be terrible. Uh, the spring game didn't really do anything to change my mind on that in either direction. Defensively, you mentioned Jocelyn Went earlier. Let's, let's talk about him. Yeah. He had two interceptions, had a couple of really nice plays on the ball, and I, maybe that is one from one takeaway from the spring game where I think will translate. He looked very, very comfortable and just right at that position. Yeah, for um, for people listening to this, you probably can go to landgrantholyland.com right now and read the film room that I wrote. Went back and rewatched the whole game uh, because there's not a ton you can take from the offensive side of the ball. I, I wrote about the defense, the defensive scheme, uh, um, how frequently they went to a a four two five and a nickel, which is you know what we were talking about all of last season. I think that it was it was about a fifty fifty split. Um, they were almost exclusively four two five on passing downs, which is excellent. That's exactly what I was. You know, looking for last season, that's something we talked about a ton, was being more pass coverage oriented on third and long and not blitzing a ton. And um, specifically on those, um, you know, on those those went picks, I, I think that he's a guy who will benefit a ton from the scheme change, from the scheme being simplified i think that the number one thing with shiano was that his playbook was just too large it was too clunky um he tried to do too much it was over designed and it seems like they have they have cut down on that and they have added zone back into the playbook which was really really nice to see and in on both of those interceptions jocelyn went was in a deep zone as that safety kind of nickel safety linebacker hybrid which i think is a really really good spot for him and both times he was able to read the quarterback's eyes read the play and then use his athleticism to make a really really nice break and come away with the interception i was really really happy to see that especially the second one where it was a you know jalen gill was open it was not a, a terrible throw it was the right decision against cover two um and jocelyn went just absolutely blew it up with his athleticism with his ability to read the play and that's something we didn't see a ton last year and I don't think we're going to see Jocelyn Went starting by any means this season um, but I do think that it was really encouraging to see how well he does in this system early on and I think that he's certainly not going to be the only one that we see a breakthrough from this season. This defense seems like it's set up for athletes to make plays and the good news is that Ohio State has a lot of those so that's something that I really like to see Amir Ripe had an interception as well and there were a couple other really nice athletic plays by the back seven Malik Harrison had a pass he looks breakup good where he, yeah he looks he really does. good yeah he had a he had a pass breakup where he just filled the lane made a play on the ball didn't pick it off but that's just stuff we didn't see a lot of last year and even in the past couple of seasons Tarada Mitchell looks ready to go he just you see him in a uniform and you think okay that guy can play linebacker he can run around real fast and hit people I'm excited to see him in a live tackling setting because he looks like a grown man and like you said Tyreek Smith on the defensive line pressured the pocket got at least one sack I think they officially listed him as one and a half but He's a guy that came on in the year, had a couple of splash plays against Washington, and he may be a player that takes a huge leap for this defense. Yeah, I, I think that um, a lot of the young guys, you're going to see that maybe struggled a little bit last season. Um, the two safeties, Went and Isaiah Pryor, stand out to me as people who we could see 
uh, taking a big step forward this year now that they don't have to play press coverage on you know, Rondale Moore. Um, certainly a lot easier to play safety when that's not part of the, the job description. But I, I think that Tyreek Smith is another one of those guys. We saw him stepping it up late in the season last year, like you said, uh, looked really, really good against Washington. I, I think that he probably doesn't take a full-time starting job this year just because Jonathan Cooper and Chase Young are both really good, especially Chase Young, who looked um, dominant as ever. Uh, he had a very, very near sack in, I think it was the first quarter on Matthew Baldwin uh, when the rest of the defense dropped into a zone. And that's the kind of thing that Ohio State really, I think, needs to get back to doing on passing downs is just trusting their defensive linemen and then playing pass coverage heavy defense in the back seven. Um, and the defensive line seemed comfortable with that. The end seemed comfortable with that. And I think that we're going to see quite a bit more of that this season. Um, the last thing I think I have really on the the defense, and you, you mentioned him, um, Toronto Mitchell is ready to go. I, I think that you know we've been talking about him for a little while now. We, we talked about him, I think, a little bit in the preview pod. Um, he looks every bit as athletic as we thought he would. He looks massive for uh, someone who can move that well. You know, that's that's what you want your middle linebacker to look like is. Uh, a big dude who can also run uh, and doesn't have five leg surgeries under his belt or however many now it is. Um, I think Toronto Mitchell should really be considered heavily for that that starting middle linebacker spot. Um, he he seems he seems ready to go. I, I don't know if there's a a technical hold up there. If there's something that the staff sees that we we can't quite see. Um, for you know, they they want his block shedding to be better. They want his man coverage to be better. Whatever it may be, but in terms of tackling, in terms of zone coverage, in terms of reading the offense, Toronto Mitchell is. I mean, he's he's starting ready. He is he's ready to go. Noah Potter was a name that also came up. Yeah, he a looked few good. Times. I had to do a double take when I saw a white guy wearing ninety seven. Like, <laughs> With which, longish which hair. Bo- yeah. Which Bosa is this? <laughs> yeah, I, I thought he looked. I thought he looked solid. He had a. It was the fourth quarter where he had a, a couple really nice plays, wasn't it? Um, yeah, it was later on in the game. Yeah, and I, I thought he looked good. I don't expect we'll see a ton of him this season, just because. You know, he's a freshman and the defensive line is pretty loaded. Um, but that's another one of the one of those young guys to be pretty excited about. I think that you get him and Zach Harrison learning under Larry Johnson for a minimum of three years. They, they could both be really, really good by the time they're done at Ohio State. We've got a long way to go. But this defense is going to be so much better. Man, I, I think so. I, I certainly think so. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if it's like a top five defense or a top 10 defense, but this is a top 20 defense just based off the athletes. And I think just putting them in positions to succeed is going to make a world of difference for them. And we saw a little bit of that yesterday. So I'm very encouraged with the defense. Still a couple question marks, still worried about what they're going to do linebacker wise, but the pieces are there. And I think the minds are there to put those pieces in a good place. It really doesn't have to be that complex at Ohio State when you're Seriously. coordinating the defense. I mean, and you know, not to Greg Shiano is a professional football coach. I understand that he knows football. <laughs> he knows football better than we do. Um, the, he was doing too much. I think the whole defensive staff was doing too much. Um, that's you know, 
kind of what happens when you hire a professional coach to coach a college team. Um, I, I think that overcomplicated defensive schemes are fine at Rutgers where you don't have the talent to you know, just excel on athleticism, just excel on how good your players are, and you have to make up for it in a certain way. You don't need to do it at Ohio State. You can play zone. It's allowed. You don't, you know, it doesn't have to be a fancy press coverage with specific stunt blitzes for your 19-year-old linebackers. It's just not necessary, and I'm, I'm really glad that this new defensive staff seems to understand that, you know, the defense wasn't fundamentally broken the personnel was not the issue it's just that you know make things easier make things less complicated go back to using your athletes as athletes like i mean you go back to 2016 i I think that ohio state was doing that with you know that was the malik hooker year right that sounds yeah Uh, you know they're that scheme wasn't super complicated. They they knew what Malik Her- or what Malik Hooker could do. They knew what those cornerbacks could do, and they used them in a a way that made sense and that fit their their player types. And I think that they got away from that in the past two seasons. It really really hurt them when they didn't have the talent to make up for it. The there's a difference between Ohio State talent and elite NFL talent. You can't recruit every player to be elite NFL talent. It just doesn't exist. Um, and when you don't have those guys and you just have you know, regular four stars who aren't quite Denzel Ward or Marshawn Lattimore, you have to simplify. You have to make it easier, and you have to just let them play football. These guys do know what they're doing. They do know how to play football, and it seems like, like the staff is getting out of their way and just letting them do it. And you know, we saw it with Jocelyn Went. I think we're going to see it with quite a few guys um, who are you know ready to break through in a scheme that makes sense to them. Overall, I think that there was a lot to be encouraged with on both sides of the ball. This team clearly has some things they got to figure out. I think right if we just look at everything right now, offensive line is the biggest issue, I think, heading into the season. But like I said, it's April. There, there's a lot of time. We haven't gotten to fall practice. So got five months basically to improve and to really this coaching staff to understand what they're working with who's going to fit in certain spots and what they can do best. So for a spring game, I thought they keep, kept it light. That running clock was a godsend. Yeah, that was uh, really nice. It was, yeah. <laughs> it, it, it honestly, it did feel different from previous spring games where I think Urban Meyer put a lot of emphasis on the spring game and it was an event and it still is to some degree, but I, I think Ryan Day treated it for what it was and it was just a chance for them to get out and play in Ohio Stadium for us to see them in a a pseudo game sort of feel and just to kind of get to know what they have. And I thought for as as much as you can take away from that situation, it was pretty good and they are in a good spot. And I'm very excited to see them progress over the course of these next five months as we lead up to the season. Yep, should be be a fun... Not not a fun off season. Should be an interesting off season. Um, once we get into the summer workouts, I think that this roster has what it takes to compete for a championship. Obviously, that's the expectation at Ohio State, and it certainly feels like they're moving back towards what works at Ohio State and how you win at a program with talent like this. And that's encouraging. Obviously, spring game not not a ton to take from, but I am. Um, I'm encouraged by what I've seen with the offense, with the changes on the defense. I think that Ohio State's still good, even 
without um, Urban Meyer running show. It feels good to be optimistic and positive about Ohio State heading into the season with everything that happened last summer and then just the up and down year that 2018 was. And it feels like there's just a fresh perspective on everything with this team. And that's just, that's a nice place to be in. Yeah, for sure. I um I, I don't like being mad about Ohio State football. It's not enjoyable for me to be mad about Ohio State football, um, contrary to popular belief. Uh, and I think people will see that in another plug, uh, the film study, again, that I wrote last night. I was pretty positive, pretty optimistic, which is a bit of a change of pace from last year. Um, but it was a it was a nice you know, it was a nice showing. It was what I have wanted to see from this team for a while, and I'm really excited to see how that carries over into this fall when they uh, take on FAU in week one. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun, and I know I'm looking forward to keeping up with it for the rest of this offseason. Make sure to go read Patrick's piece on landgrantholyland.com and everything else involved with our spring game coverage and everything else Ohio State football and athletics-wise. Follow us on Twitter at landgrant 33 Follow the show on Twitter at Holy Land Pod. Send us questions, comments, concerns. We're still firing off one episode a week, even now that the spring game is over. So if you ever have any questions, make sure to send them there. Patrick is at Patrick underscore Mayhorn, and I am at Dubs Co. Wow, look at wrapping it up here under under 40 minutes. I'm oh, yeah. proud of us. That, <laughs> was, that was good. We didn't even make fun of Greg Madison or, or talk about Greg Strudrawa. We, we're just we're two happy guys here. That's right. On this Sunday afternoon, look at us really progressing and uh, <laughs> and growing up as we go along with the show. But we want to thank you guys for listening. We'll be back next week right here on the Hangout in the Holy Land.